Praise God Almighty. Matthew chapter 17. Praise God. We can certainly appreciate time, especially when we have one extra hour of sleep, right? How many of you enjoyed that extra hour? Oh, it was so good. It was so good. It'd be sweet if every Saturday night, right, we had to turn the clock, right? Wow. But then we won't know when it's day and night. We'll mess up the system. And <laughs> but it's a great feeling, amen? I, I, I don't like spring when, 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 when time moves forward. Because yesterday when it was 5 o'clock in, in my household, we continued to tell each other, oh, it's really 4 o'clock. When it's 6 o'clock, we tell each other, oh, it's really 5 o'clock, you know. But when fall, a spring comes, the same thing happens, right? We're telling each other, it's 3 o'clock. No, 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 it's 4 o'clock. <laughs> it's 6 o'clock. No, no, it's really 7 o'clock. And uh, we're trying to go to bed earlier because we're going to get that hour less of sleep. Praise the Lord. I'm blessed and happy for those that were able to go to the Bible trip yesterday, to the Bible Museum. I understand you had a great time and a blessed time. That's really good, and uh, you bless yourselves with that. I think everyone should take the time to go out to this museum and see what God is doing through his word and how he's impacted the world. Amen? How the word has impacted the world. Amen. Praise God. Matthew chapter 17. We're going to consider and read verses 1 through uh, seven or maybe eight. Amen. Praise God. When you have it, please say amen. amen. Missing a few folks, but not too many in our midst. We'll pray and uh, continue to make mention of them. Amen. Give them a call. Praise God. The word reads as follows in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit out of Matthew chapter 17. Now after six days... Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. Verse 7. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, do not be afraid. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Isn't that beautiful? They saw no one but Jesus only. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Uh, I'm going to ask, as I customarily do, uh, Brother Edgar and uh, Sister Leslie, you're going to take me in prayer. Amen? Amen? And I'm going to ask uh, Brother Mark. Amen? Mark, give thanks to God for the word. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord God Almighty. Praise the Lord. Amen. Please take your seats. Praise the Lord. Uh, before I do head into the sermon, into the message, I want to again, as I did uh, this past Wednesday, but some were not here, I want to thank you all for 
the blessing upon my family uh, and clergy uh, appreciation. Uh, it's something that to us on this side, it's a little bit embarrassing, right? Uh, but praise the Lord, uh, you felt it in your heart, you did it, and you came out. Thank you for those who sacrificed and were here present. And thank you for those who blessed us in many ways. We certainly were so blessed. We certainly were so blessed. And uh, one of the blessings I'm wearing today, in fact, um, if you look upon and you get closer, and uh, somebody, in fact, told me they have another tie in their car they wanted to switch this one with. Uh, but uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't because they like my tie. It's because they don't like my tie. It's a New York Met tie. It's a New York Met tie. And praise the Lord. So I, I, I certainly am enjoying it. I am certainly blessed by it. <laughs> Amen. The, 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 the only thing I had trouble was uh, trying to find a shirt that would match it, right? And I, I tried on, I think, about six shirts last night. And uh, Nancy kept saying, no, no. And I said, <laughs> listen, that's a sign. <laughs> oh, man, you messed up. <laughs> Praise God. Praise, pretty much, right? So I, I, think, I think I finally found the match, right? I, I finally found the match. Wow. I, I thought, thought about an orange shirt, actually. I was thinking, and, but I don't have one. But it was too late to pick one up. Uh, but nonetheless, thank you all so much, and uh, we were so blessed. Amen. Um, I, I'm so grateful for the cards, the sentiments, the, the, the emotions behind. And I mean, we read every card, and we were so blessed. Amen. By, by, by your words. And uh, we're touched. We're touched. And continue to be encouraged. We want to continue to work. And do the things of the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, today's word, as we have read out of Matthew chapter 17, and those are also found in other gospels. Praise God. The title of today's message, if I were to title it, is a controversial one. But I want to explain as to why. Amen. The title of today's sermon is Enjoy. His glory, but don't get stuck in it. Amen? Enjoy his glory, but don't get stuck in it. Amen? Enjoy his glory. I had a conversation uh, with this gentleman, and as we were speaking, uh, he boggled my way of thinking some, because I didn't even know there was such a thing or that a thing existed. And it's a, a certain class that is taught, and he's taught it for 30 years, 30 years. And the class that he teaches, he teaches in three different buildings, and I see him at three different hours. It's never the same. And he's dedicated to this teaching. The teaching is changing the perception, changing your perception. Did anybody know that existed? Maybe Osafo, right? Uh, Osafo, he nodded his head. Uh, some, Liz, right? It's it, basically a uh, type of psychological course. Um, the matter is dealing with what you already know and how you see things, how you see things. Because perception, when we see perception, perception has to do with knowledge. It has to do with what you understand concerning life. And the things, everything you see, see, perception brings it to your visualization it creates an illustration in your mind. It creates a picture. Now, when you see this picture in your mind, the problem is you have to interpret what this picture is telling you. What does it mean? What does it say to you? So you think you, tr you try to factor in so many things, but there's an agenda behind it all. Now, based with the fact that we are dealing with a generation where political correctness has ruined conversation. So in other words, he mentioned a nationality to me, and he says, you know which nation is the hardest to teach uh, to change your perception? And I, I, I said, I can imagine, and I mentioned, he says, yes, yes. Now, if you want to know, because of the fact that we're recording, I'm not going to mention the nationality. I'm dealing with political correctness. So we're not going to mention the Chinese. So he says, the Chinese have a hard time changing the perception of things. And it's sort of as he went to test me or something, but he said, you know why? And I'm like, first of all, I'm stuck on the fact that I am surprised that this class is being taught. 
Now I got to answer as to why. So I say, no, it's a friendly, cordial conversation. And the thing is, I have to understand the fact that as he's conversing with me, he's actually, he's actually trying to, he, he's wondering how do I think. He's actually observing me. This is like a psychologist I'm talking He's actually observing me. He's trying to interpret me. You know, when you try to go to the letter of the Lord, what is the person thinking, what are they saying, what is the spirit behind what they're saying, what, what, they speak literal, but what do they really mean? You know, you're speaking literally, but what do you really mean? And, and you know, a, a text can ruin, right? When we see texting, texting can ruin uh, our perception, and texting can start an argument. Texting can easily start an argument, right? Even though... It's not meant the way, because, you know, there's no, the quotations and, and, and the emotions behind it, uh, they're not there. They're not there. See, years ago, before texting existed, there was a man who had borrowed another man's horse. And when he borrowed the man's horse, um, nine months had gone by. Nine months had gone by. And the thing is, when the man first lent him the horse, he told him, the guy who borrowed it first said, listen, I need it for about a week. I need it for about a week. And then the guy who was lending it to him said, listen, I know you really need it, so uh, no rush, no rush. Use the horse as long as you need it. You know, that's a little bit of a conflict, right? You know, I need it for about a week, but, but, but you're offering it. Use it as long as you want. But about nine months went by. Nine months went by. After a while, you know, you're thinking, the man is thinking, hey, I, I, I need my horse. You know, this guy borrowed my horse. Nine months is a long period of this horse's life. The other man is thinking, oh, thank God that, you know, he said I could borrow him as long as I like. There's no time limit on this. So the other man with his noble heart, they know how to approach him to ask him back for his horse. So instead what he does during the time and period of time, he writes him a letter. And he says, my dear friend, I am in need of my horse. You borrowed him because you needed him, and I wanted you to use him, but at this point, I'm in need of my horse. So he writes the letter. You know, he didn't know how to approach the gentleman because, you know, you see somebody in need, it becomes difficult to approach individual. You know, while you know that he needs a horse. And he's figuring, if he has him nine months, it means he needs him nine months. And once I go back and get my horse, he still needs the horse. Because apparently he didn't bring him back. So the man receives the letter. And when he receives the letter that the man had cordially and politely wrote, he opens the letter and he says, Hmm, my dear friend. You borrowed my horse because you needed him. At the time you borrowed him, you said you needed him for a certain amount of time. And I said, there's no time. You know, in other words, he interpreted the way he was feeling based on his perception. The guy said, well, this is a polite note that I'm sending him. He's going to be understandable. He's going to understand. The guy received it said, why, this snotty, attitude individual. How dare he write to me like this? And the friendship was coming to an end. On a horse base, and the name of the horse should be Perception. Perception. What a hard time, right? What a hard time. One of the biggest things that Jesus tried to do was change the perception of the disciples. He told them, you heard it said, but I say unto you. He said, man shall not live on bread alone. And he went on with a series of teachings to elevate the thinking of the disciples. See, the disciples came to him on a natural form of thinking. They were stuck in the natural. Jesus wanted to bring and elevate their form of thinking into the supernatural. Jesus wanted them to understand that there was a point that was where you can do the impossible. And I love it because Jesus himself, within the chapter 17, says, To him who believes, nothing is impossible. Or in other words, to him who believes, all things are possible. Because we get stuck on this basic element within our nature. And we begin to see the elements of 
The fact that we're captured within this body, we're captured within the flesh, we're captured within blood, we're captured within the flesh. And from within the flesh, it's difficult to believe that everything is impossible, that that, that, that we can reach a point when everything is possible. You know, when you're a child, you know, in innocence, the beauty of innocence. Yesterday, uh, we were at home messing around with a, a DVD player. And you young folks know what a DVD player is? <laughs> and I wrote to um, buddies of mine, and they were like, oh, wow, oh, wow. Because the thing is, when we were messing with the DVD player, I realized all of a sudden, wow, we bought this DVD player at Nobody Beats the Wiz. <laughs> Nobody Beats the Wiz. And um, this is maybe... Nearly 20 years ago, I think, something like that. And it's still good. It's still effective. It still works. So if anybody needs to rent it, let me know. For $35, I'll lend it to you. <laughs> I'll lend it to you for a week, not for nine months, all right? But uh, we were messing with it, and uh, we were testing it. And one of the things, I, 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 I put a movie inside just to test it. because, um, But one of the movies we put in was one of Jordan's movies. And right away, uh, Disney came on. Disney came on. And it was floating this, floating that, flying that, flying this. And I'm sitting there for a few minutes. And the thing is, I, I'm not going to watch the movie. My wife is going to watch the movie. But I'm sitting there watching the commercial. And I just continue to let it play. Because it took me away for a moment. It took me away for a moment. And, and it took me to a place where uh, innocence existed. To the point where I believed that a carpet can fly. I believed that a scepter had power. I believe that a prince could come from a toad. I believe that a beauty can sleep. And the more she sleeps, the more beauty she can get. It took me to a time where nothing was impossible. But it was all within the perception of a child and the innocence of a child. Where Disney, Hanna-Barbera, where, listen, how many of you guys as kids, and it's not the new stuff, it's the old stuff, with Shazam on Channel 2, remember back then? How many of us would go in the closet and yell, Shazam? You know, hoping that we were transformed. We believed this. How many of us walked and ran around the house with a cape, with a towel around our neck? Right? Angel did? I didn't know Superman existed then. Wow. He, how old is Superman? <laughs> what? That was two weeks ago? Okay, okay, two weeks ago. I can understand that. But we believed we believed that these things were possible. And I remember, man, I, I remember Hannah Barbara, Thunder, 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 Cats, and so on. You know, and, and we used to yell these things, believing that, you know, I'm not even speaking about what girls believe, I'm speaking about what the guys believed. You know, we, we believed these things were possible. You know, we looked for magical swords, magical wands, and so on. And then the thing is, you know what? Reality begins to step in. And once reality begins to step in, we begin to realize these things are all fictional. But there is a power that's real. There is an authority, hallelujah, that goes beyond what we can imagine. And we saw this authority in the person of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. I love the fact that Jesus in his prayer life, see the secret was all within his prayer life. I love the fact that the, the, the scribes, the Sadducees, uh, the Pharisees, they would question him. Some would say, whoa, I have never seen such a thing. We have never seen such a man. We have never seen such authority. And the Pharisees and the teachers and the teachers of the law would ask him, with, with, with what authority do you teach these words? In other words, you know, behind that question was with what power? Because the thing is, he was teaching them, I not only have authority, but I also have power. We know that there's a difference between authority and power. We just can't describe what it is. If I ask you what's authority, you can't tell me. But you know what it is. Authority, you know what, is what gives you the right to do. Gives you the right. Simply put. Power, you know, because the thing is, a uh, police officer, and believe me, I highly respect police officers. Let's go on record with that. The police officer can tell the car to stop because he has the authority but he doesn't have the power to stop the car. It makes sense? See, Jesus has the authority to speak, 
But he also has the power to do. There's nothing that's impossible for Jesus. See, when Jesus saw the withered arm in the synagogue, you know what? He said, he pointed and said, you know what? Arm, stretch, and the arm out of nowhere. There was no arm, and the arm became, and they all saw. When Jesus said to the death, to, to the deaf, oh, ears be open, the ears were open, and no one saw the creative process within the ear. When Jesus spat upon the ground and rubbed the eyes of the blind man, people are wondering, what is he doing? Yet he had the authority, but also had the power to create this man's eyes right before the other blind man's eyes. Because this man was able to see that he was Jesus, and all those who were there who had eyes couldn't see that he was Jesus. See, Jesus was trying to change the perception how man thinks and how man thought. Has Jesus been trying to change your perception and how you think? Has Jesus been trying to change how you see things, how you perceive things, how you absorb and digest these spiritual things? Has God ever tried and has God ever made you feel uncomfortable? Has it ever come to the surface? Because sometimes when we speak about the things of the Lord and changes and necessity of changes to our minds come what God is wrestling with. And there's a wrestling match within us. And God brings you to the surface because God has been dealing and trying to fight with these things for a long time. But God is not trying to deal with the roots uh, part of it. God is not trying to deal with the symptoms or the feelings and emotions. God is trying to deal with the root. He's trying to go deep. I love how Jeremiah preached where he was sent to uproot what was rooted and to plant what God needed planted. See, where God is trying to go deep into our hearts, deep into our spirit, deep into our souls, where there are theories, where, where, where there are philosophies, where there are concepts that are embedded within us for so many years that, 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 that they give us a hard time understanding and it creates a conflict when it comes to seeing a miracle and the power in the hand of God. And what begins to happen is so sad to so many people is that when God is trying to minister to them, they try to reason it. Oh, my hair's just stood. Oh, it's because it's windy here. You understand? Oh, I feel like crying. Oh, it's, it's, oh, 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 Jesus, praise God, praise God. And then all of a sudden the song is almost over. And we're like, oh, my God, oh, my God. God, you were ministering to me. You were ministering. The music is over. Oh, my God. Oh, I, I don't know why I let my emotions catch me like that. We, we're trying to reason it away. We, we, we become scientists. You know, we're, we're the scientists of trail. You know, I love because we had a teacher in Bible Institute who has said scientists have come to the point that scientifically speaking, and don't get caught up in here, they said that the Nile River, right? They said, I'm part of it, when, when the Red Sea parted and, and, and the Israelites went through, they said that there's a time, scientists say, that there's a time of the year where the wind hits the Red Sea, and when it hits the Red Sea, the, the, the sea parts. And when the sea parts, you know, the water becomes like six inches, it becomes six inches of water, and that's why the Israelites were able to pass. But the Bible says they pass on dry land. The reason they say six inches of water is because they can't, scientifically can't not prove today, because it never has happened. They have never seen it. Where it reaches a point where in the Red Sea, it totally goes to dry land. So they say six inches of water because they're explaining, oh, there's some type of water still there. And, and, and the thing is, that the times of the year, we don't see when it happens. So people who lack faith, right away, land, say, oh, and that's where they lean at. But I love, uh, sadly, Jose Lavoy, who passed on. Emma knows him, Nancy knows him, a lot of you know him. We were like thinking, as he's telling us this, and I was fairly new in the Lord, I'm like, Wow, a lot of people say, oh, that's why. They, you know, this is Bible Institute. We're here to study God's word. And when he gave that explanation, many said, oh, that's why they were able to pass by. That's why they got stuck. And he says, no, 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 no. You got to understand something. He says, you know what? If they pass by on six and, and through six inches of water, then the miracle was even greater and bigger. And the other said, how can this be? 
He says, because what scientists are telling us is that Pharaoh's men, Pharaoh's armies drowned in six inches of water. Perception. It's all about perception. It's all about how we see things. See, God is wrestling with us. God is trying to move within us to a point where we begin to, to, to mature. God wants us to mature. He doesn't want us to remain as when we first came. The Apostle Paul says, by now you should be eating meat. And instead I have to give you milk. Because you know what? There's an argument within us. There's an argument within all, especially Elaine. There is an argument between us, within us all. But you know what? It comes a time that the argument is still there, but we begin to mature around the argument. See, because my sister and I, I remember like my... Well, they're both here, I think, right? Bella and Jordan. I watch my son and my niece. They're like brother and sister. And they go at it tooth and nail. My, sister, my, my niece last week told me, hey, hold my phone, hold my purse. And they went at it, pop, pop, in the parking lot. And I just watched them and referee. Let them fight. I don't care. Well, whatever they want. I'm not going to get involved. But I look at them and I laugh because I said, this is Leslie and this is Sixto. This is Leslie and Sixto. But the point in time comes where, you know what? Leslie and Sixto... She's much older than I am. Leslie and Sixto, at our age today, we still have the argument within us. But we've matured around the argument to the point that little things no longer bother us. So if you catch us in the parking lot of the church fighting, fist fight, please jump in and stop us because that means I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to get hurt. Stop me, please. I can't run as fast as I used to. But the argument is still there, but we begin to mature. To the point that these little things don't bother us. Because our perception has changed. We have grown. We have made adjustment. We have shifted. And we have moved on to another level of life. And when it comes to the spiritual realms, you know what? We stand at the same point. Where there were things that at one point would worry us to the point that we were losing our hair. Where we were scratching our faces. Now all of a sudden, you know, we've reached a point where we say, hey, hey, God can. God can. God can. There reaches a point where we tell ourselves. We tell ourselves, you know what? Let's pray about it. You know what? 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 Let's go. What's up? Everybody's connecting. What's up? Let's get a bunch of people praying on it. And sometimes, you know what? When something becomes a little difficult for me to believe, I say, Hey, if we got thirty people praying on it, God's gonna hear somebody. And even if I lack in faith, even if I'm loaded with unbelief, you know what? If there are thirty people on it, one of these people are gonna believe for me, and God is going to do. And then we're going to hear the word of testimony because somebody's going to go before the throne of Almighty God and God is going to listen. God is going to lead over. God is going to absorb. And God is going to do in favor of us, his children. Hallelujah. I love in the Psalms the illustration where it says when we come before his very throne, he's almost leaning over the throne. Revelation says he tells the angels, be silent because I'm listening to earthly praise. Listen to earthly praise. In other words, when we speak to him, everything in heaven comes to a halt. And it doesn't matter if we believe it or not. Does it matter if we believe it or not? When we say heavenly father, sometimes we're distracted in the natural and we're stuck. But when we say heavenly father, Everything just stopped. Wait, 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 wait. Carmen is speaking. Carmen is speaking. Wait, 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 wait. Millie's speaking. Wait, 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 wait. Angel is speaking. Wait, 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 wait. There's a need in the heart of my child. Wait, 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 wait. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> I don't know how he does it, folks. All I know is that he does. All I know is that he does. I can't explain it. I could just testify about it. All I could do is testify about it. There are times where I go before the altar of the Lord. And I know that there's a billion people talking to him. But I don't know how he does it. 
where I know that, you know, sometimes, you know, when we come here Wednesday night, 720, and we go into prayer, and the thing is, I know there are many of us talking to him at the same time, but he's listening to Mark. He's listening to Osafo. He's listening to Lee. He's listening to Shelly, to Mary. You know, he's listening to these individual accounts. He's listening, you know, and, I, and I'm like, you know, he's on their prayer, but he's on mine too. He's on mine too. My prayer's not being lost. My prayer's not getting stuck in the ceiling. He's listening to me. He's listening to me. And I refuse to allow my flesh to tell me otherwise. I'm going to be led by the power of God's Holy Spirit and the anointing that has touched my spirit and my soul to believe. Because when I prayed to him, he transformed the way I think. And to him be the glory and the honor. I have to understand the fact that even though there's a billion people speaking to him, he's still listening to me and to those billion as well. And the beauty of it all is that I've seen his mighty hand at work. Because you know what, folks? I have seen him move mountains. I have seen him move mountains. You know, it's not that I went before a mountain and said, Lord, move. No, 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 no. I had a mountain of problems. I had a mountain of bills. I had a mountain of trials, tribulations. I had a mountain of circumstances. And you know what happened? There were times when God moved the mountain, and there were times when God moved me to maneuver within the mountain. There were times where God had to destroy and take this mountain away, and there were times where God gave me the wisdom to deal with that mountain. And at the end, you know, in the process, while I was going through it, I didn't see the hand of God, but the hand of God was so there. One thing I didn't give up on speaking to him. One thing I didn't give up on talking to him and letting him know exactly how he felt each and every step of the way. And there were moments where I told him, you know what, God? I feel lonely. I feel lonely. I feel like I'm by myself. I feel like you're not there. Lord, where are you? Where is your hand, God? God, this is a moment that I really need you. Where are you? God, I don't see you there. But in my spirit, hallelujah, you know, hallelujah, hallelujah. Listen, listen, listen. My, my sister, my sister, uh, one of our youngest sisters, Valerie, we laughed, and we shouldn't have, because it was during my sister's burial. But my sister Valerie, if she ever listens to this recording, she, was, uh, she reached a point where she began to what, uh, hyperventilate, is it? Where it's like she... <laughs> She, she, oh, she went crazy. We had to call an ambulance. And the thing is, the rest of us are laughing, you know, giggling in the, in the beginning. But then we were like, oh, this is getting serious. But it all changed. But we laughed because of what my brother-in-law said. Because he's, uh, he's an officer of the law. He, he's trained in many other areas. And he comes, because we were like worried also. And we were like, oh, like, oh my God. And her son, my, my nephew, was going crazy. You know, it's all my, you know. And we, for a minute, we think thinking we're going to bury our second sister. And... My brother-in-law says, her husband says, listen, on the side, leave her, leave her. She thanks, she, she kept saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, right? And the thing is, you know what? That taught me something so mighty and wonderful about God. Because the thing is, she thought she had no breath. My brother-in-law brother said, as long as she's speaking and saying she's not breathing, she's breathing. But she just doesn't know it. Because her nerves don't allow her to understand that there's oxygen going in now. Because every time she said, I, I said, value is wrong. She goes, I can't, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And I'm thinking, oh, she is breathing, but she doesn't know it. So we're pretty cool. And the thing is, you know what? When it comes to our spiritual life, you know, it operates the same way. Because then sometimes we say, God's not there. God's not there. But our flesh doesn't allow us to understand that God is there. God is present. God hasn't gone anywhere. God has not moved. The only thing that sadly has moved is us in our form of thinking, in our perception, because we begin to see how difficult, and we begin to say, if God was with me, this wouldn't be difficult, but yet we're still standing strong, and we're still talking to him, and we're still speaking to him. It's like Elijah in that cave. It is only I, Lord, that is left when God knew there were 7,000 other prophets. 
Elijah said, Lord, take my life. But God was there listening to Elijah while Elijah was praying. See, God knew that there was two or three days later coming where Elijah was going to begin to minister again. And beyond that moment, some of the greatest moments in history, miraculously speaking, were occurred. God continued to move in Elijah's life at a point when Elijah thought God was not there. Folks, this part of scripture, and I know you guys are thinking, hey, where's the word within this? It's there. We've spoken about it. But when we look at the word, we begin to see, and I want to paraphrase a lot, okay? We're pressed for time at this point. What I love in chapter 16 of the book of Matthew, we begin to see at how Peter, right? Peter at one point, he says, uh, after the question, the question that we all know, which I don't want to talk about because we're going to get stuck there. Oh, I will get stuck there. But Peter says, you are the Christ. You are God's Messiah. And, and, and Jesus says, hey, 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 Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my heavenly father. Remember that in Philippi, right? In, in other words, Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, that, that revelation came from above. It came from heaven. In other words, Peter, you didn't know that until this moment that it had been revealed to you. But even though Peter had all of a sudden seen, and that's, that's us, that's who we are. It reaches a point in our lives where we come to Christ. And when we come to Christ, you know, you first come to the Lord, and like the book of Revelation says, you know what, uh, uh, there's a first love, right? There's a first love. There's, there's that fantasy, that kind of honeymoon type of time. And, and we begin to preach to everybody, to speak to everybody. Has there ever been, you know, right now if I ask you, right, hey, listen, there's a demon in that person, go rebuke it. But, 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 but there was a time in our spiritual lives when we first came to Christ that we believed so deeply because it was just so fresh that if I tell you, go rebuke that demon, all the newcomers will come right away. Hey, hey, hey we're going to rebuke this thing. This thing is going to go. And you know what? It, it, it has to do with the natural as well. We see it in the natural because, you know, I love John Vernon McGee. He says a story about a child that the parents overheard the, four, the, the, the it was a five-year-old child leaning into the playpen of his little sister who had just been born. And when he's leaning into the playpen of his little sister, he's, he, tell, he whispers to her, and he says, he says, Melanie, tell me, tell me again what Jesus is like because I'm beginning to forget. Because he's moving from the area of innocence into the area of natural growth and maturity in the flesh. And when we come to Christ, you know, we, 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 we get into that realm where like, hallelujah, there's nothing that's impossible. You know, hey, hey, I, I, I'm at every service, every service. Now, praise the Lord, there's two services a week, sometimes three, which we should be here Wednesday, Fridays, and Sundays, right? But back then, you know, we, we, we had Tuesday, we, we, we had Wednesday, uh, certain meetings, we had Thursday, and we had Friday, we had Sunday. And, and we go even further, when Angel, Jose, and Emma were growing up, they, 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 had, they had service only on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's it. That's it. And the thing, Emma, how many people will miss? Angel, Jose, how many people will miss? Everyone was there. It was there. Everyone was just present. And especially when you had a newcomer, you would think, hey, this person's not going to come. No, no. But they're so in love with Jesus that they love Jesus more than what they love their rest and sleep. So they were always in the house of the Lord. And there was nobody was missing. Because you know what? It happens to me, and I know it happens to you. You know, I, I, I don't want to use the word hate because it's a strong word. You know, but I don't like to miss a service because I'm always wondering if Jesus does if, if, if Jesus does something during that service, I don't want to hear about it. I want to see it from my own eyes. I want to be able to experience it. I, want to, I don't want to hear, oh, it was a great service. And I'm like, for you, for you. So I refuse to miss. I refuse to miss. See, Jesus had, you know, when you come to Christ, you originally, you know, you're, you're thinking about how great he is, how wonderful he is, how good he is. You know, you're, you're stuck in that world, and you can't move out of that world. And I love it because the thing is, even though Jesus had revealed himself, even though Jesus had spoken, even though Peter had reached a point where he says, hey, he says, hey, oh, my God, and I'm looking for something here, and I don't even know where I put it. You guys going to bear with me, Amen. Praise God. My God, don't make the same mistakes that I do, amen? But 
See, it reaches the point. Peter says, you are the son of the living God. And, and, and Peter speaks and he says, you know, he, he reveals the truth. He reveals the truth. You're the son of the living God, and he enjoys himself in the, in the fact that he spoke truth. But Jesus tells him, listen, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. And it reaches a few points later. We look a few verses later. Jesus has an argument with Peter because Peter fails to remember who Jesus was. A few minutes later, and that's where we stand sometimes. You know, our perception when it comes to a miracle, we believe. But all of a sudden, we step away from the mountain, and then when we step into the valley, our perception begins to change. And when our perception begins to change, we fail, and we begin to wrestle with God. First, God is wrestling with us. Then we're wrestling with God. And as we're wrestling with God, Peter says, Jesus begins to say, say listen, uh, the Son of Man has to die. The Son of Man will be crucified. The Son of Man has to go through great suffering. And Peter said, hey, 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 be it far beyond us. You know, you're not going to suffer. You're not going to go through this. This is not going to happen. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Because what happened is, you know what? When Peter left the mountaintop, when Peter left that high perception of Jesus, all of a sudden Peter began to believe as Jesus as a man again. First, at the moment, he believed he was a Messiah, and then he believed he was a man. Doesn't that happen to us? Where we reach a point that I believe, I believe, and there's nothing that's going to shake my belief. And then next week we're like, under the blankets, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. And we begin to say, like the man said, if you can. When one point we're saying, in the name of Jesus, two weeks later we're saying, if you can. Our perception changes so fast. See, but I love because the thing is, after the revelation at Philippi, in chapter 17 of the book of Matthew, as we just read, it says six days had gone by. Why does it stress the fact that six days had gone by? It stresses the fact that six days had gone by because this is a point in actual history. There's an account of times. In other words, this actually happened. I'm going to ask, has anybody ever here seen Jesus transfigured? Raise your hand. Okay, we'll talk. You tell me about it shortly. You will talk about it shortly. But in a sense, we have. But when we look at Scripture... We see that after six days, Jesus took Peter. And I love how Matthew writes it. Because Matthew says, now after six days, listen, within these six days from G Peter revealing his revelation, the revelation upon Peter to the sixth day, Jesus has to continue to minister to Peter. But I love the fact that even though Peter doubted, Jesus didn't give up on Peter. Because the Bible says, now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them. Up a high mountain by themselves. Has the Lord ever tried to lead you to a high mountain? Have you ever felt led to go into prayer? You ever felt led to go into the reading and the studying of the word? You ever felt led to go into a fasting? You, you, you feel the move of God's Holy Spirit upon you. Where God is trying to nudge you. It's as if Jesus is trying to physically take you to another level. And he's trying to move you. And the thing is, we make it so difficult at times. Sometimes I'm in bed. And I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And I'm thinking, I have to get up in a few hours. And when I'm laying down, my son or my wife comes over and asks me, what are you doing? And the thing is, you know what? Sometimes I have to be up. I have to get up at 1.45 in the morning. Technically, I have to get up at 1.30. But I snooze, snooze, snooze. But I'm sitting on the bed. Or I'm on my knees, and I say, well, I, I'm just talking to the Lord. I, 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 I don't know. I, I can't sleep. I have to speak to the Lord. And I love it because when I start to talk to the Lord, I go to work, and there's somebody who is in a need. And the thing is, when they approach me, I don't even realize, and it's happened, and I know it's happened to you, where the words begin to flow, and the presence of the Lord, and we begin to pray, and I know that God is doing something in that person's life. But I realized that God prepared me for that moment at midnight. God prepared me for that moment at midnight when I was talking to him. And I thought I was talking to him about me, but I was talking to him about someone that was in need who was going to run into me eight hours later. But had I had that private special moment with the Lord, I wouldn't have been able to minister to this individual eight hours later. So we begin to speak, and God begins to move. 
Six days later, I love it, because the Bible says he took them, he led them by themselves. See, there are moments where God is calling you out by yourself. Where are moments where God is telling you, I need time with you, and you need time with me. Where God is trying to tell us, spend some time with me. Speak with me. Let my presence rub all over you. Let my anointing be upon you. Let my blessing be upon you. Don't speak about the fact that I'm loved. Experience that I am loved. Don't speak about my power. Experience my power. Don't speak about my authority. Experience my authority. Spend some time in my presence. Let me do something in your heart. Let me do something in your soul. Let me create a change and a difference. You're still saying you can't? Let me show you you could. Let me let you feel the fact that your hands, your hands will still stand. Let me feel the fact that you still will laugh in my presence. Let me let you feel the fact that you still will dance, run, shout, and you don't even know why. You don't even know why. Don't allow yourself to be a spectator where people are worshiping and enjoying God because they spend time in my presence and you choose not to. Bring yourself into my presence and let me do something in your favor. Spend time alone in the presence of God. Let Jesus bring you into his presence. The Bible tells us as he moves further, he says, you know what? Peter did reveal. The revelation was upon Peter. But now Peter goes into the mountain. Is led, Jesus leads Peter to the mountain. You know, this is done purposely. This is not done circumstantially. This is not coincidental. This was planned by Jesus. The life of Jesus in his prayer life. And he's moving into the mountain. And Peter, James, and John are thinking, well, we're going. He's going to pray again. Let's go. He's going to pray again. At one point in the book of Luke chapter 11, you know what the disciples told Jesus? Teach us to pray. What happened? They didn't know how to pray before? What happened was they saw how effective Jesus was. But they knew the secret behind his effectiveness was the life of prayer. So teach us to pray. So Jesus moves. And come on, guys. We're going to the mountain. He leaves those nine. I'm sorry. I wouldn't want to be one of the nine that are left behind. I want to be a part of that intimate crowd. See, but at that point, he was just a teacher. He was just a master. He was just a rabbi. He was not the Lord to them. So the nine stood behind, and he goes into the mountain. And the thing is, they're walking with him. He's going to go pray again. Let's go pray again. And as he goes into prayer, right, he goes to the mountain. All of a sudden, the Bible says he was transfigured. Transfigure is a big difference from transformation. He didn't change into something else. Who he was became beautiful, splendor-like. Who he was, God's glory began to shine through him. You know what? He became so white, laundered. And, and, and the book of Mark says that no launder, no laundry can get things that white. He began to change before them to the point that, hey, folks, he's being glorified. And I don't know, but Peter gets caught up in the glory. And he doesn't know how to act. He doesn't know what to do. Ezekiel fell like a dead man. John went on his knees. Moses stuttered. Isaiah says, I'm dead. Peter's like, what's going on here? What's going on here? See, but the thing is, Peter's perception is part of the problem here. Because Peter, you know what? Jesus is beginning to speak and Elijah shows up. Moses shows up. The prophets are represented by Elijah. Moses is representing the law. But all three individuals are representing the three biggest miraculous times in our history. So they're seeing total power, total authority. They're seeing the law, the prophets. They're seeing everything being fulfilled. They're seeing Jesus become Lord right before their eyes. He went from teacher to God. And Peter doesn't know how to act. I don't know if it's happened to you, but it's happened to me. There are moments when I'm before his presence and I become undone. And all of a sudden, I start to fall apart. And I land on the floor to the point that I don't even want to look up because I'm in such high reverence as who he is. All of a sudden, I begin to respect and to praise him as I should. I begin to see him as he is. I begin to feel his glory, his authority, and I begin to sense everything is okay. Everything is okay. Hallelujah. There are moments in my prayer life that I have 
Allow me to say that I have ridiculously, I, I, I had no other way of saying it. Because if you saw me, you would think I'm ridiculous. Where I'm like this, and I'm looking to the heaven, and I'm going. You know why? Because I just don't know what else to do. I just don't know what else to do. But throw kisses at him and tell him, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you so much. I love you so much. Hallelujah. You have done so much for me, God Almighty. And so much that I had not even seen. And I become undone. And there's other moments, folks, where I'm on my knees. And I lay myself totally on the floor. And I look down to the point that I don't even dare look up. Because I feel like he's there. And he is. I can't even look up and I'm like, Lord, 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 Lord. And all I can do is praise him for his majesty. Praise him for his holiness. Praise him for his greatness. All I can do is praise his, and honor his holy name. And I can't look up because I revere him so much. I respect him so much that my fleshly mass cannot look upon his holiness. But I want him to rub off all over me. And the fact that I didn't bring myself to that moment, but he led me to that moment. It's a him moment. It's a move of God. To the fact that, you know what? I went before his presence and I became undone. But you know what? It's not like Sixo decided, hey, I'm going to go pray and I'm going to call out God and I'm going to feel him. No, 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 no. God was leading me alone into his presence. Alone into his presence. Peter didn't know how to act. And then Peter not knowing how to act, you know what? <laughs> Our mothers, well, my mother's getting older now, so it's not the same thing. She'll talk out of turn. <laughs> but my mother always taught us, right, Les, with the hand like this. <laughs> if you don't know what to say, don't say nothing at all. Shut up. Shut up. If you don't have an answer, don't say anything. See, Peter didn't know what to say. And Peter said the wrong thing. And we only realize because the text tells us so and what it illustrates. But Peter says, look how he goes. Praise God. Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, Lord, it is good for us to be here. See, a few verses ago, he was calling him rabbi, teacher. Here he, he, he see, this, this guy just transfigured. This, this is no ordinary man. And he goes to him and he says, Lord, it is good for us to be here. See, Jesus, Jesus is glorifying himself to bring Peter to an elevated way of thinking. He's trying to move. But Peter got stuck in the glory. And Peter says, Lord... Let me make a tent for you, a tent for Moses, and a tent for Elijah. See, Peter responded within the law. Peter wants, Jesus wants to move Peter forward. Peter is still speaking about the past. See, when he says, let, us create, let me build three tents, what he meant was, let me build three tabernacles. Because you know what? This shining reminds me of the Shekinah in the desert. This, this shining reminds me of the cloud in the desert when, when, when the cloud led the Israelites and they built the tabernacle. Let's go back to the time of the law because apparently that's what Jesus wants to do. And while the, Jesus, the Bible says, while Peter was still yet speaking, God interrupts Peter and says, this is my son. Hear ye him. See, the Bible doesn't say God says, this is Moses, this is Elijah. No, no, no. This is my son. Hear him. Moses is a part of the past. Elijah is a part of the past. What you knew theoretically, what you knew within your theology, put that to the past. Focus on Jesus because he's the one that's going to move you forward from this moment on. Focus on Jesus and on him as Lord. Don't allow yourself to engage in religious tactics. Don't allow yourself to engage in rituals. Don't allow yourself to engage in what your parents taught you erroneously. Allow God to teach you. Because if God teaches you through the word, you're going to be successful.
when it comes to the things of the spirit. And we have a hard time disengaging from the past. There are some people who will still light up a candle. Biblically, find it in the Bible where a candle was lit. We, We get stuck in this religious activity that sometimes even our praise comes out religiously. Sometimes we praise because you know what? We're being told, raise your hands, stand up. We know the vocabulary. We, we, we know how to act. You know, oh, stand up, raise your hands, say hallelujah, glory to God, praise God, sit down, open up your Bibles, put on your glasses, go down, sit down again. What? We're going to praise again. The Bible's being read. And we stand up. It's almost mechanical. It's almost mechanical. I love because even though Peter was so wrong, Jesus never corrects him. Jesus never corrects him. Because you know what? Peter just didn't know what to do. And sometimes that just happens to us in the presence of God, where we just don't know what to do. See, but when we read the following verses, which I'm not going to fully get into them. See, they're in the mountain, but as they begin to descend from the mountain, what happens? The book of Mark gives us beautiful details in chapter 9, where it says, Jesus comes down and he sees a crowd. But within the crowd, there are teachers of the law, there are scribes and Sadducees. And they're arguing with the other nine. There's an argument going on with the other nine. Those nine were left behind. And a man, the Bible says what? He speaks and Jesus addresses who? The teachers of the law. And he says to them, I'm sorry. We can read it passively in scripture, but this is where I see it. As Jesus addressing the teachers of the law, he's saying, what are you discussing with them? What are you trying to do to my nine? See, those nine were in trouble. Why? Because they weren't out in the presence of Jesus. What are you discussing with them? And a man comes out of the crowd and says, Teacher, I brought my son to you who has an evil spirit. And the thing is, he says, but your disciples couldn't cast him out. In other words, the disciples tried. The disciples tried to cast him out, but they couldn't. Folks, he asked the disciples because the disciples identified with Jesus. You identified with Jesus? There are moments when you're going to have to lay hands and rebuke a demon. There are moments when you're going to have to lay hands and pray for the sick. And Jesus looks at them. And he says, oh, generation of unbelievers, how long will I tolerate you? He wasn't speaking to his disciples. He was speaking to the other in the crowd, the others in the crowd. But the Bible is trying to teach us that there are moments where we have to spend time up in the mountain time because when we come into the valley, there are others who need our help, our assistance. But what we do in the valley, we're going to learn in the mountaintop. What we do in the valley, we're going to experience in the presence of God Almighty. We cannot be a blessing if we're not spending time in the presence of the Lord. I've mentioned this before, and I've mentioned it with pain in my heart. But so many of us live life defensively instead of being spiritually offensive we live life in the i'm going through this i'm going through that instead of saying hey i'm praying over this i'm praying over that and god is you know we speak and we ask for prayer because we need victory but we don't seek out victory we get stuck in the glory god has done something in the past and we get stuck in what he did in the past and we think it's enough no 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 we have to move forward into the valley we have to move forward and allow god to continue to move and god continue to minister sometimes god did something in the past and we build a temple around it and we keep worshiping all oh, what god did in the past no 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 no. let's see what god will do in the future because if he did it in the past he will do it as well again in the future don't give up on god because he hasn't given up on us and we're stuck on the defensive. I, 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 I sometimes, I'm not talking about nobody here. But, but uh, I, I tell my wife sometimes, you know, it's, it's sad because, you know, have you ever met somebody who has one of those days? There's some people who have one of those days. And, and it's happened to me. There's something I tell myself, oh, I shouldn't have come to work. I shouldn't have come to work. It's just one of those days where, where, where things are just going wrong. And everything I see is wrong. Everything I perceive is wrong. But there are some people, you know what, sadly? They have one of those lives. They have one of those lives where you just can't hear a word of victory come out of their lips. There's never a transfiguration. 
There's never a revelation. There's never a rebuking of a spirit. There's never a healing. There is all negative all the time. And they can't speak a word that's positive. This man said, I brought him to your disciples. And they couldn't. But Jesus reveals and he speaks to them. It has not to do with them. It has to do with the fact they're not praying and fasting. They're not praying and fasting. But he also lets the man know, you're not believing either. And the man said, Jesus addresses him and challenges him. Do you believe? He says, yes, I believe. But then the man also realizes, hey, if I would have believed, the demon would have come out. Do you believe? And then he exclaimed, and this is where we find ourselves battling sometimes. Because we're caught in past glories. Where he says, and I love his words, he says, Lord, help my unbelief. It doesn't mean that he didn't believe. It meant that he was battling within his faith. He was trying to reason. Lord, help me to stop reasoning. Help me to stop finding, the Spanish expression is, trying to find the fifth leg amongst the cat. Cat doesn't have five legs, just got four legs. We're looking for the fifth leg. We're looking for the explanation. Forget the explanation. The explanation is Jesus Christ himself. Let's enjoy his glory, but let's not get stuck in it. Let's not build temples around what happened in our past. Let's move towards what's in the future. But let's experience him in the present, and let's allow him to do something within our present life, within our present time. You know what? Because what we're doing today, how we're living life today, guarantees what's going to happen next Sunday. Guarantees what's going to happen in three years. Sometimes when we look back, and with this I'm going to close because it's a negative point. Sometimes we look back from the present and we say, oh, God is not moving. But what do we do to bring a move from God? It's not that God didn't try to bring us up the mountain. God is trying to bring us to the mountain. But allow ourselves to be led into the mountain. Amen? Praise God. God bless you. God keep you. And as the worship team sings, if you feel it in your heart, please come to the altar. Let's pray.